Okay, for those of you who've been coming regularly, obviously, we've been teaching eight biblical ways to win souls to Jesus. Actually, looking at places in the Bible where somebody got saved. They heard the gospel, and we talked about uh, giving our testimony, and looked at the woman at the well who won the city to the Lord. Tips from the master soul winner. We did two lessons on the master soul winner, Jesus. And then did one on the Apostle Peter's sermon. I preached about Jesus. Philip, who won the Ethiopian unit to the Lord by using Isaiah 53. And uh, then last week we talked about Paul Silas winning the jailer to the Lord. Great lesson. And today we'll continuing that. Seems like that I've had the privilege of doing a study on the life of Paul during these lessons. We preached about Paul this morning. So thanks for everyone for coming. Good to have the newlyweds back home and back in class today. And uh, good to see young people that come to the college and career class and the adult class and those who graduate from high school and the adult class. Man, we're all just growing up. Amen. Okay. <laughs> so. Paul said in 2 Timothy 3.10, But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, and patience. And so that's going to be one of our points. But the point I'm making now is that uh, we can learn from the Apostle Paul because he said, You've seen my manner of life. You've, you've watched me. I've, I've taught you. And so that's what our lesson is about today. And in the way of introduction, last week, we learned how to win souls from the methods and message of Paul. We talked about that. We learned how. Uh, this week, we'll learn why we win souls from the motives and ministry of Paul. So, uh, it's not the lesson, so I won't uh, develop this thought. But those of us who know the Bible, anybody who reads the Bible, we know that when we stand before the Lord, we'll not... Just give an account of what we did. We give an account of why we did it. The Lord's not going to necessarily reward us for doing something for Him. He's going to reward us for why we did something for Him. <clears throat> I don't know your motive for coming to church today, but God knows our motive. And when we stand before the Lord, He'll reward us for our motives. Why we, why we came to church today. And the, Thank God the husbands can get a reward for obeying their wives and coming to church today. <laughs> There's two people the Bible says to follow, and the Bible that says to follow, and that is Jesus and the Apostle Paul. Jesus said, follow me, I will make you fishers of men. I used that verse at the Father-Son camp Friday night. If we follow Jesus, he will make us. He'll make us a man. He'll make us successful at what we're doing. Especially, he'll make us a fisher of men. Then Paul said, follow me as I follow Jesus. And that's the kind of person we want to follow, amen? Follow somebody who's following Jesus. If you're following somebody who's not following Jesus, you're going to end up in a bad place. You, yeah, a lot of trouble, in the ditch, the dead end road, all those things. So, Follow somebody who's following Jesus. And thank the Lord we'll see today that, as our lesson says, following the pattern of the, of the model 
human subtle hand. Jesus is the great pattern, the great model. If anybody has heard me teach and preach, I've heard this before, and we'll look at it again today, but Paul was our human example. He was our human pattern. He was our human model. So in the mercy of God, he gave us uh, somebody that was human just like you and I. Jesus became human like you and I, but he was without sin. I preached this morning, Paul uh, knew the grace of God because he needed the grace of God. He was a hater of Jesus, a hater of Christians. He hated the church. And God saved him and made him the greatest soul winner that we know anything about. So that's a good person to have. For example, I don't know about you, but when I have, uh, if I heard the word cancer, uh, the person that I would go to to get comfort would probably be somebody who's had cancer. Uh, if I had, okay, if I had another sorrow in my life, I'd probably go get comfort someone who can relate to that, relate to that sorrow. And Paul was that kind of person. Paul was a person we could say, look what God did. He saved him. God used him. God forgave him. So God gave the Apostle Paul to be this great example. So brings us to our first point. Paul's manner of life is our model for soul winning. Paul's manner of life is our model for soul winning. None of us will ever match up to being the Apostle Paul. As I teach this, uh, I always clarify, everybody's heard this before, but I always clarify that we all cannot be an Apostle Paul. We're not supposed to be an Apostle Paul. But we take his example and we use his example to be the best Christian that we can be. Just like I say, everybody can't do what I do. I would not expect a, a grandmother, except my wife Linda, to do what I do. By the way, Linda, she said, give you her love, and we prayed, and I took a picture this morning of the breakfast, and she was so happy of all the people people were there. She, and uh, I wouldn't to say this, but she just texted me before I came here. She said she was especially blessed by the young man with the big smile, and that happened to be Joshua. <laughs> So she got that. So thank you for smiling when I said the smile. Some of you, she said, no, I'm not saying that. <laughs> but Paul said, you've known my manner of life. So we look at Paul's life and we say, wow, uh, that's how I can win souls. That's why I should win souls. That's why I should live for Jesus. I've heard many stories. I could shock you with a lot of stories about pastors, but uh, uh, two people at the home church this week, one of them sitting in this room, but two people at the home church told me stories about pastor they know or know somebody knows pastor. One of them, they know this pastor. He's probably, he may be a better man of God than I am. I can't judge him, but he drinks alcohol and smokes cigarettes. <laughs> And another person in this room who works with somebody who's a Christian, their brother is a pastor and he smokes dope. He smokes pot. Thank God they aren't my pastors. That's all I can say. <laughs> we'll go throw stones at him, right? 
But we can't do that because we can't go to the rock concert. I already told you that before. Anyway, Paul said, you've seen my life. And so thank God there's people that we can look at. And this is another side note. That's why we need to be in a place where we can observe those who are spiritual leaders. Anybody who sends money to a television evangelist, you got room in your head for rent. <laughs> unless you know that person, unless you go to his house and visit him and see how he lives, don't give nobody any money. Don't, don't, don't support anybody. And I, I'm sure that I'm not worthy of support, but the, I don't want anybody to support me and support my mission if they don't think that I'm doing the will of God. So we need to, we need to be, our leaders need to be somebody we can look at, some way we can observe, way we can check it out and see how they're living. So Paul was that kind of a person. So God chose him to be the pattern for the Christian life, that familiar verse. Paul said, God, by his grace, he saved me and he made me the, the pattern. Anybody who sows knows what a pattern is. I used to be a machinist before I went in the ministry full time. We had templates and we machined stuff according to the template. It always came out perfect because you followed the, you followed the template. Uh, the dress comes out because you followed the pattern. So Paul was the Christian pattern for our Christian life. If we want to know how to live the Christian life? We study the life of Paul. We read the epistles of the Apostle Paul, who is our pattern for the Christian life. And along that line, this is our subject today, Paul is also our pattern for evangelism. He is our pattern for evangelism. Max 17, please. Look at those. i trying to get my phone to come back on. Paul's his manner was, went into them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them, out of the scripture. His manner was to share the gospel. That was, that was his manner. I'm sure there were days that Paul did other things. We know that he was a tent maker. And he was a tent maker. He, he did that so he wouldn't have to keep begging churches for money. And he did that so he could, so he could serve the Lord. But Paul was a preacher who was a tent maker, not a tent maker who was a preacher. We talked, we had a lesson on that. Uh, last year, but uh, he, he he worked so he could preach the gospel. That was his purpose for working and making money so he could so he could uh, serve the Lord. And uh, we don't have the verses here, but in Acts chapter twenty, we talked about a couple of verses there in Acts chapter twenty. But in Acts chapter twenty, we see that the Apostle Paul, verse twenty and twenty-one. If you write it, want to write it down, he preached the gospel publicly, and he went house to house. And uh, so, thank the Lord that uh, we do that here at the home church. We preach publicly, and we go house to house. That's how we get the gospel out. I was telling my telling Linda about the five men I led to the Lord last night, that I mentioned this morning. And she said, what, what I know, what any soul winner knows. And I was telling about a, a Muslim Family I visited last night. They were at the. They came to the park, and whoever went to get those people, good job. They were all the way on Lodi Avenue, 
I know I sent some young men that way. I don't know who it was. Somebody invited this Muslim family that I've talked to before, and they came all the way to Hell Park to, to play the games. And it was one of the ladies that we were there at the park. Remember, the, there was one Muslim lady who kept getting sick. She kept having tickets spinning. It was her house. So I thought, I went over there to talk to them because some other Muslim boys that I talked to told me that she was the one that won all the things. So I went over to talk to them and I showed her the picture. I took a picture and then Pastor Luke sent me a video. And when I showed that, her and her sister, they were just so escaped, they were so afraid. They said, please delete that. We'll get in very serious trouble if somebody finds out that we went there and listened to you talk about Jesus. They were just, they were just Scared to death. Then I was telling Linda about the five men I lived with last night, and her conclusion was that thank God that we go out on the streets and talk to people, because those people would never hear the gospel if somebody didn't go to. We'd love for them to come to church. I promise you, those Muslim girls are not going to come to church. <laughs> their life would their life would be risked. We we preached to a teenage. Muslim, he wanted to get saved, and he said, that, I cannot ask Jesus in my heart, my family would desert me. So the devil's just got a stronghold on people, doesn't he? Last night I talked to a person, he said, uh, will God forgive somebody who killed somebody because they abused a child? And I said, uh, you must know somebody like that. And it's probably the person I was talking to. They said, well, I can't say. I said, well, I said, uh, if you truly ask God to forgive you and ask Jesus to wash his blood, the law may not forgive you, but God will forgive you. There's some hurting people out there. There's some, there's some crazy things going out there in the world. And it, it took somebody who would be out at dark and just crazy enough to go talk to these people and tell them about, tell them about Jesus. So that was Paul's example. He, he went everywhere. He went house to house. Went public. Thank God for a preacher who's not afraid to go preach in public, like the Apostle Paul. And thank God for like the Apostle Paul who would go to house after house after house and tell people about the gospel. That's why we do. It. That's why the church does it. And then next, Paul gave his life to be a one. He literally gave his life for the purpose of winning people to Christ. He was a preacher, yes. He was a church planter, yes. He was a missionary, yes. But Paul knew what it was all about. Paul knew that it was to help people to, to get saved. He said that in Acts chapter 26 and verse 19 and 22. Whereupon well, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. We talked about that in another lesson. He obtained help of God. He continued. To this day, Paul said, I continue. For 40 years, he told Agrippa, I've been witnessing, sharing the gospel to the small, to the great, to anybody that would listen. So that's what he gave his, his life to do, was to share the gospel. You know, great verses in Philippians 3, Paul's autobiography there, Philippians 3 said, But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ, they doubtless I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things. Paul said, I gave up my life to, to share the gospel. I, I lived a life of suffering 
and he shouldn't have been shocked because remember when he got saved, we talked about that, Jesus told him he was going to suffer. <laughs> he said, go tell Paul what things he's going to suffer for my sake. He already warned Paul, he told Paul that he was going to suffer, but Paul gave his life anyway. Thank the Lord for this manner of life that Paul had. Well, not only was is Paul's manner of life, our example, our model for so winning, but Paul's motives are our model for so winning. Paul had the right motives. And we need these motives uh, in our life if we're going to be so winning. I put in my notes here that everything that anyone does is because they're motivated to do it. If people live wicked, it's because they're motivated to do it. If a person goes to work and makes money, there's a reason why they do that. We got kids to feed, we got bills to pay. Everything we do, we're motivated, but there's a motive behind everything we do or don't do. There's a motive why people are lazy, there's a motive why people sell drugs, there's a motive why people do wicked things. But everything that we do, I do, you do, there's a motivation behind it. So we must be motivated to win souls. And, and some Christians that don't. They don't witness not because they're uh, bad Christians, not because that's their desire. They've just never been motivated. And sadly, many Christians go to churches who never tell them to witness to anybody. Many Christians go to church where they just think that you know coming to church and having a good time and leaving is what it's all about. They think coming to church and having some emotional or getting healed or speaking in tongues, whatever they do. That's not what it's about. That may happen. You may get healed. Thank God that God does still heal, by the way. But that's not what it's about. It's about being motivated to tell people about Jesus, to get people into heaven. So that was Paul's, you see, Paul's motive. First of all, he won souls because of agape love. I preached about this at Father's Son Camp. It was agape love, the love of God. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.14, it's the love of Christ that constrains us. I was reading a commentary, footnotes in the Bible somewhere, and, and the person who was giving the, the commentary on this said that Paul uh, served God because of, of the fear of the Lord, the terror of the Lord. That may be Paul, part of it. He didn't want people to go to hell, that's for sure, but, but this verse clearly states that Paul served because the love of Jesus motivated him. I said this last week, I think, in Tuesday night at the care group, there's people that I cannot love. Uh, unless Jesus loves them through me, uh, I'm not going to love them. It's, it's amazing when you talk to sinners, uh, especially when we're sharing the gospel, when we talk to sinners. God uh, automatically just loves them through us. Like the worst person I could be talking to, but if they if they're without Jesus, God gives me a love for them. There's some people that I don't know if I if I got a chance to talk to them, I would love them. I won't tell you the story because I lost a lot. I lost a night's sleep about it. I just I heard it on the news. It was so bad I couldn't sleep the rest of the night. I just could not get it out. 
that what somebody did to somebody else. Uh, yes. But my burden was for was a 10-year-old girl who got killed and all kinds of bad things happened. But anyway, my burden wasn't for the person who killed the 10-year-old girl. My first thought was, I hope that little girl knew Jesus as her Savior to go through such a terrible death and then not go, not go to hell. So I know I would love the 10-year-old girl, but what about the person who murdered her? What would I do if I got a chance to talk to him? Man. But anyway, I'll tell you one person who loved him. <laughs> Regardless of what we think, there's one person who loved that person who killed that 10-year-old girl. And that's Jesus. That's why we can't comprehend the love of God. We can't comprehend. It's beyond our comprehension. Beyond our comprehension. Because if most of us had the opportunity to play God for a day, we'd just kill a bunch of people. <laughs> we'd just, we'd just do a big havoc job, that's for sure. <laughs> so, yes, yes, thank you God for your agape love. Uh, I love this next verse because in 1 Corinthians 5, 2 Corinthians 5.15, Paul knew that Jesus died for all men. I don't know how the Reformation theologians miss that verse, or what the hyper-Calvinists do when they read that verse. Paul said Jesus died for all men. Doesn't mean they all get saved, but they all have an opportunity to get saved. Next bullet. Uh, it is because Jesus loved that we are to be ambassadors for Christ. Paul said, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. And, uh, those previous to that says that we're, we have been committed the ministry of reconciliation. Uh, just like a, a marriage counselor, the marriage, somebody came to have marriage on the rock series that we're having here at the church. A marriage counselor would, would uh, reconcile them. Say, so, you know, uh, you need to confess, you need to get right, you need to work this out, you need to realize that you know, God wants you to stay together, that that love can conquer this. We give all kinds of advice like that. Well, the, the, the Christian, the soul winner, does that with lost people. We reconcile people to God. We go say, God's your, your savior. God wants to be your friend. You're an enemy of God, but he loves you. We reconcile people. Say, so if you'll take Jesus' hand, he'll take the Father's hand and, and you'll be, made a child of God. So that's what so winners are to do. We are the ambassadors. We, we represent Jesus so that we can tell others about about Jesus. We're commanded to be ambassadors for Christ. In the next book, Paul was a winner of souls because he was a weeper for souls. Max 20.23, Paul said, I've ceased not to warn Every one of you, day and night, with tears. This is this is just one city. He, those of us who know the context of Acts chapter twenty, he's got the, the Ephesian elders together, the elders of the churches of Ephesus, and he said uh, in Ephesus for three years, I cease not to warn everyone, night and day, with tears. So that agape love that Jesus had filled the apostle Paul's heart, and. Uh, it's uh, 
it's a blessed thing when God burdens our heart for lost stuff. I wish that I wept more for lost people, but uh, thank God that every now and then God just God just breaks my heart. Those of you who heard me teach through the years, I've heard this illustration. Uh, when I when I first get to India, you know, I'm, I'm sort of trying to get adjusted to being there, sort of going through the motions, just trying to teach and preach and go so running. But after a week goes by, two weeks go by, till God breaks my heart. And I start weeping for those people. And, and same thing when I come to the home church. My first week or so here, I'm just uh, getting acclimated, going out talking to people. And then finally God breaks my heart. And then when Saturday night comes, I don't have to wonder whether I'm going to go soul winning or not. <laughs> I got a broken heart. There's somebody out there that needs to hear Jesus. There's some, somebody like I talked to last week still out there. And so Paul was a weeper. I, my daughter Samantha sent me these. She didn't know I was teaching on this, but she sends me a verse. And she sent this verse the other day, Psalm 126, 5 and 6. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again, with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with it. You know, all of us deal with life, and and the devil would love for our life to keep us from weeping for somebody else. The devil would love for our problems to keep us from focusing on on lost people. Lost people are they have no hope. They aren't going to go to heaven one day uh, if they don't get saved. They aren't going to get a new body. Uh, they don't have uh, the peace of knowing that Jesus is going to take care of them. So let's pray that God will give us a burden. Give us a burden for people that are lost. Help me, Lord, to have some, some, some tears. It's a, just a, it's a good feeling to, to know that rotten Mike Robinette can actually weep over somebody. <laughs> That, that just makes me feel good. There's hope for me yet. <laughs> I, I cared for somebody else. <laughs> There's hope for me yet. I actually shed a tear for somebody else and saying, saying oh, poor me. <laughs> what am I going to do? How am I going to survive? No. Give us a broken heart, Jesus, for, for those who are without you. Then Paul one souls for the glory of his Savior. First Corinthians 1, 29 and 30. It's for God's glory that Paul went so and, and, and did it for the glory of God. Revelation 6.14 said, I, God forbid I glory in anything except, except the cross. Paul did it for Jesus' glory. In Philippians 1.20, Paul said again that he did what he did for the glory of God. That Jesus might be magnified in my body, Jesus. Paul said, I want Jesus to be magnified in my body. I'm doing this for the, for the, for the glory of God. So that's why, that's one of our great motivations for witnessing is for the glory of God. And if we have the right motive, we're not just doing it to uh, make it some kind of works or trying to get points or anything. That's why, that's why I like to go soul winning with people. But one of the fun things is going by myself. 
because nobody sees what I do. Nobody, nobody knows what I do. Nobody, yeah, he does. And so it's fun, just, it's fun to, to do something when nobody else knows about it. When nobody saw you give that try. Nobody saw your tears. Nobody saw you witness to that person. But, but like Tony said, hey, Jesus, Jesus said, so we do it for the glory of God. That's, that's really our highest motivation. Give you a little side lesson here. <clears throat> Anyone who thinks Jesus died on the cross first to save people from hell does not understand the Bible. Jesus did not come to die on the cross to save me from hell first. He came for the glory of the Father first. He did it for God. Little Bible study, you, could, you know that John 15, I taught that to the college and prayer Tuesday night. Jesus said, the Father loved, loved me because I laid down my life for the sheep. Jesus said, I do always those things that please my Father. So before Jesus died for me to save me from hell, he did it because God wanted him to come and die on the cross. And that's love, isn't it? That's a great relationship right there. And so uh, we want people to be saved from hell, but we actually do it for the glory of Jesus. I'm doing this for you, Jesus. I'm telling them about you, Jesus, because you want me to do this. You want me to tell them. You want me to give this crap. You want me to share about Jesus. Then thirdly, Paul's ministry is our model for so many. His entire ministry was a, was a model of evangelism. His entire ministry was a ministry of witnessing. First book, Paul considered so winning the ministry. He said in Acts chapter 20, 24, none of these things move me that I might finish my ministry, which he said clearly was preaching the gospel. Paul said my ministry is preaching the gospel. That is that is the ministry to preach the gospel. Everything else we do is for preaching the gospel. Everything else we do is to get the gospel preached. It's, 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 uh, it's all designed for one reason. That is to share the gospel. Everything else is just, it just goes along for that, for that purpose. First uh, Corinthians 17, 117. Paul said, God didn't call me to baptize but to preach the gospel. <clears throat> so baptism is not the ministry. <clears throat> uh, even being in the ministry wasn't the ministry. To Paul, the ministry is preaching the gospel. That's, that's what ministry is. That's what serving the Lord is all about. And <clears throat> interesting, in 2 Timothy 4, 5, Paul told Timothy, who was a pastor, Paul told Timothy to... <clears throat> Uh, do the work of evangelism that he would fulfill his ministry. So Paul told a pastor to do the work of evangelism. That's, that is the ministry. That is what we're, that's what we're supposed to do. Thank God we, here at the home church, our pastors aren't only pastors, but they're pastors who want to see people saved. They're pastors who witness to people. They're pastors who realize that it's the gospel people need. Jesus that, that people need. And for those of us who are in Christian work, 
we call it Christian work. There's, there's probably a misnomer. Actually, a missionary is a misnomer because all of us are supposed to be missionaries. Ministry is really a misnomer because all of us are ministers. <laughs> we're all supposed, we're all in this together. So, so sometimes we get those titles and just because somebody gets paid for it, they think that they're more responsibility, they're more responsible than someone else. But if you're in Christian ministry, if you work at the Christian school, if you uh, work in the, in the music department, if we work as a janitor, whatever, if, we, if we're in Christian ministry, we get our pay from doing something at the church, we're in Christian ministry, whatever it might be, the list could go on. Caleb Radio, <laughs> Daily Bread Authors, just go on and on and on. That is not your ministry. Your ministry is to share the gospel. Your ministry is to keep people out of hell. Your ministry is to tell people about Jesus. Those are just things that we do. And sadly, many people are lost because Christian workers think that's their and this will give you a little more statistics if we're close to the last two points. This statistic is probably not as close to accurate as it used to be, but uh, several years ago this statistic was correct that 95% of all Christian workers in the world, if you took all the world, 95% of all Christian workers were in America. Think about that for a minute. 95% of all Christian workers were in the United States and there. In my opinion, that's why Muslim countries are not reached. That's why China is not reached. That's why India is not reached. And sadly, we come to a place where China is almost a closed door. Uh, Muslim countries are closed doors. India is becoming a closed door if you're keeping up with what's going on in India. Becoming a closed door commission. Any place you have to get a visa to go to, mark it down, it's going to be a closed door to, to Christianity. But, you know, I'm not criticizing Christian workers. I'm just saying we missed, we missed the opportunity. We missed the opportunity because we thought our job was our ministry instead of going and taking the gospel to the world. Yeah. <laughs> Paul was entrusted with the gospel. Paul said, God entrusted me with the gospel. That's what he was entrusted with. He was telling people about Jesus. That God entrusted with that with that main thing. To tell people about Jesus. He was entrusted with that, he said in First Timothy. Second and and first Thessalonians two four. First Thessalonians two four reminds us that we're all entrusted with the gospel. We've heard the gospel, as we'll see next. We're entrusted to share share that gospel. We've got the greatest thing that was ever given to us. We need to share it with somebody. And then, lastly, the last book, Paul was indebted to the gospel. In Romans one fourteen and fifteen, he said, "I'm indebted. I owe a debt." Uh, because Jesus died for me, I owe a debt to tell someone else. I'm ready to preach the gospel because I'm indebted. I owe a debt to this, I owe a debt to lost people. 
owe a debt to people who don't know Jesus. So one motivation that will help us to be witnesses is when we walk by somebody, we may not get a chance to win them to the Lord, but when we walk by somebody, we're indebted to, to share the gospel with them. If we live by somebody, we're indebted to share the gospel with them. If we work with somebody, we're indebted to share the gospel. And if we have family members that we're around who don't know Jesus, we're indebted to share the gospel. We've been given it. We're, we're indebted to do that. It's our responsibility to do that. And it's our great privilege to do that. And then in conclusion, Paul received the reward for winning souls. He received the reward for, so there's only, there's lots of things that I could talk about, but there's only one, there's only one way that you could get the first reward that Paul said. Only one way. There's not two ways. There's not Three ways, there's not five ways. Paul said, I am free from the blood of all men. The only way that anybody can say that is that we share the gospel. It's the only way we can say that. It's the only way we can get that reward. We can only say, I'm free from the blood of this person because I witnessed to them. I shared Jesus with them. They may not get saved, but that's the only way we can get, that's the only way we can get that reward. Again, there's, Thousands of people that I haven't talked to that perhaps I should have. But I used the illustration again last night of those men. There's five men that their blood will not be on my hands because I told about Jesus. There may be 5,000 that their blood will be on my hands, but I know five men whose blood won't be on my hands. <laughs> I know some people whose blood won't be on my hands. Because I did, I shared the gospel. That's how you get that reward. So, uh, thank God that Paul got that reward. He got his crown of rejoicing. He said in Thessalonians, he said to those he led to the Lord, you are my crown of rejoicing. <laughs> if you're looking for some kind of great big giant prize, win somebody to the Lord. Yeah, that's better than streets of gold. <laughs> that's better than getting a new body in heaven. That's better than getting riches. Paul said, you're my crown. I led you, Lord, and you're my crown. And then he said, that great scripture in 2 Timothy 4, he said, there's going to be a reward waiting for me because I've been faithful at the one thing that God called me to do, and that's evangelize, preach the gospel, share the, share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, that's it today. We, and look at Paul's life and say, that's, that's my model right there. Help me, Jesus. Help me to live up, up to that model. And it's our head. We hope you enjoyed listening to the preaching and teaching from God's Word today. You can get more information about our church and about starting a relationship with Jesus Christ at www.thehomechurch.net. From all of us here at The Home Church in Lodi, California, Thank you for joining us.